following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. You know, it's something about the church being either inside the walls or outside the walls. You know, it's something about either being a spectator of the kingdom of God or a participator of the kingdom of God. And I know in America, we've gotten really good with the spectator model. We've gotten really good with how do you like your worship to be? How do you like messages to be? What would make you more comfortable? I mean, this is the way we do it in America. We've come into this kind of a environment to where, like Burger King, have it your way. And when we look in the Bible, when I look at the red letters of Jesus and I see the way stuff was happening, I didn't really see it go down that way. You know, it wasn't my kingdom It was his kingdom. It wasn't your kingdom. It was his kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus is explaining all this stuff of what it really looks like, how it operates, really cool stuff. Well, we're going to be starting out today on a topic. In fact, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 25. But we started with a theme beginning last week. We started talking about vision. Since it's a new year, it's more important now more than ever to get a vision from God. Do you have any idea what the big picture looks like with the living God? Because he is a God of purpose. He has a hope and a future, the Bible says. All sorts of scriptures we looked at last week uh, solidifying that God, even without vision, people perish. That we need to get a vision, some sort of snapshot from God, where you spend time alone with him and say, God, what's my direction? What is the, the big picture look like? What is the hope and future you have? If you weren't here, you can check that out online, but it's a really important message as you launch your new year, to kind of, what does the Word of God say about having vision? Really important. And next week, we're going to be talking about God-given direction, how you and I actually hear Him, how He leads us by His Word and His Spirit as we navigate this path of life, how God proactively leads His people. We're going to be talking about God's direction next week. But today, we're talking about God-given gifts. We're talking about the God-given gifts that he's put inside of you and he's put inside of me. And the cool thing about God is when he gave you gifts and when he gave me gifts, he was incredibly intentional. It wasn't like, you know, one of those Vegas card games where, you know, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. That's what we tell our kids. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You know, that's not the way God was giving out gifts. God was incredibly intentional. He knew exactly what he was doing when he placed certain things, talents, gifts, and attributes in your life. We're going to look at a passage that reflects that today, but it's important to know that. It's not happenstance. It's not just some random act. It's a a very intentional uh, thing from the heart of God directly to you. The things that you have in your life, they're God-given things, and these are the tools he gives us along the way to help navigate what does God have in store for you and me. What is the vision? What is the master plan? The gifts he's given you are a major tool. He wouldn't have given you gifts, talents, and resources if he didn't expect you and I to use those towards the big picture that he has. So we're looking at this passage today, God-given gifts, and my prayer is that we not only discover the things that he put in you and me, but we actually begin to put them to work, that we discover what they are, and then we start to step out in faith to begin to use them. You know, God is doing a new thing in this land, I really believe that, and it's not going to come through any person. It's going to come through the people of God. It's going to be through the people of God who are available to the Spirit of God according to the Word of God 
for the glory of God. And, and when people start to have that disposition saying, God, what's my place in the kingdom? What's my place in the kingdom? Show me what my place is. That is a beautiful place to begin. Because when people in this city start to say, God, what's my place in the kingdom? Watch out. What we tend to say or think, a lot of folks, is what's the kingdom's part in my life? Where does God and his kingdom fit into my life? And that's an upside down model. That's not the way God is. It's his kingdom. So God, what's my place in your kingdom? It's a beautiful place to begin. In fact, this passage we're looking at in Matthew 25, it's a parable. All of the parables are about the kingdom of God. And what's important, sometimes people read over these parables and they're like, oh, that's a nice story. And they kind of move on to the next thing. And they forget, no, this is important. Jesus talked more in parables than anything else. And he's constantly using parables to explain what the kingdom of God looks like, what the interaction is, what your place and my place is in the kingdom of God. All the parables are about the kingdom, whether you and I can be a a spectator or a participator. Here's the cool thing about the parables. When you read the story, you might not know this, but you and I, we're in the story. You and I are in the parable. That's why Jesus taught in parables, so that when he'd be done, everyone would go home and sit around the the dinner table or the campfire and go, what do you think of that? Which one were you? I don't know which one were you. And start to figure, which one were you in the story? I know which one God was. I know who the king of the kingdom was. But which one am I in the story? And that's exactly what this is about today. We're going to look at a snapshot of some guys who were given some talents, much like us, but our area to understand and discern is which one am I in this story? Spectator, participator, who am I? So let's start. We're going to look at this in sections, uh, beginning in verse 14. And it says, And it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. The first thing I want to note on this thing here when we look at the talents is the relationship between the parties, if you will. Master, servant. This is the way we look at talents. A lot of times we don't think of talents that way. We just think, hey, they're my talents and I'll do what I want with my talents. In the story, in the context of the kingdom and how it really works, no matter what we think, Jesus is saying the way it works, it's, a, it's the master-servant relationship. It's God and us. And when we speak of the talents, we say my talents or your talents, and that's, that's okay to use that kind of language, but really what it says in the story here is that these talents were entrusted to us and that they're actually his property. Now, that changes everything. I mean, because if they really are your talents or mine, do whatever you want with them. <laughs> I mean, really, do whatever you want with your talents or don't do anything with them because they're yours. And it's up to you. But if it's his property that he's entrusted to us, whoa, wait a second. That changes everything. I mean, that is a huge paradigm shift. If they're his talents, his gifts, his resources that he endows us for a little while, 
That really changes everything. And that's what the story is saying here. It says that he entrusted his property to us. And um, we can conclude we're only borrowing them for a little while. They're just on like a short-term loan from God. Any gift or talent that you have, when we go into heaven, those aren't gonna, we're not going to be using those talents in, in heaven. But in the kingdom of God here and now, we are going to get to use them. We have opportunities to use them. And what's important about this is when we think they're ours, we feel like using them or don't feel like using them. Because a lot of us have the mindset that it's really our kingdom and God fits in our kingdom somewhere. But in the Bible, it's his kingdom. And when we fit into his kingdom, we stop saying, well, I don't feel like or I don't want to or I, you know, maybe later when we think of our gifts and talents, it changes looking at it like that instead of saying, well, what can I do with these gifts? They're borrowed. They're entrusted. I'm looking for opportunity. See, it's a big difference of doing what you feel with them when you want or going, wow, God, give me some opportunity. I want to I wanna use the stuff that I'm borrowing from you. And uh, the other thing about this, too, that I see right away is that each of the guys in the passage, one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. Each of the people in the passage, they knew, they knew what they've been given. And my question for you this morning is, do you know? Do you know what you've been given? I mean, honestly, do you really know what you've been given? In fact, if you're a note taker, I have three questions for you this morning, and these questions should help you come to a deeper understanding of talents and the kingdom of God, your God-given gifts. The first one is this, have I identified the God-given gifts and talents in my life? Have I identified them? Because a lot of folks don't identify them. They just kind of keep stampeding down the road of life, and next year will be the same as last year, and if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten, and kind of go through life in the mundane, instead of stopping and actually identifying these and maybe making a little inventory. What has God given you? This is important because I think if we forget this, we're taking a bunch of tools that God gives us to navigate life and we just throw them to the side. Like, no, it's all good. God's like, no, it's not all good. Recognize what I gave you. This is important. This has a lot to do with the big picture. It has a lot to do with your direction. It has a lot to do with your calling. It has a lot to do with your, the hope and future he has for you. So, Consider doing that. Identify them and write them down. Write down your gifts and talents. Now, I will say this. If you don't know what your gifts are, your spiritual gifts, for example, and then there's also your natural abilities, just very natural things that you are good at that maybe others around you aren't, and that's a special endowment of God's grace in your life. It's a tool for you and I to understand the big picture, and that's really important. So um, think about what are you good at? What are you good at? And here's another thing. What do others say? I talked to someone and said, uh, yeah, no, God's calling me to be a lead vocalist. You know, I really think I'm supposed to, you know, tour and like be a lead vocalist. And some people, you know, might think they have a gift, but others around you will bear witness with. Others will also tell you, yes, I see a gift in you. This is what's important about taking an inventory and maybe asking some people that know you well. Because you may default to one or two things, just like I do. We may miss out on a gift saying, yeah, I don't think I'm good at that. And others saying, what are you, crazy? You're so good at that. You are gifted in that area. Spiritual gift, encouragement, prophecy, could be anything. Spiritual gifts, natural gifts. Somebody saying, no, you totally do that. You come to terms with, wow, maybe this is one of my gifts. I better recognize it. But in retrospect, some folks put gifts in there that others might say, yeah, that's probably down the list a little further. You know, that's just... <laughs> 
Bible says truth and love, right, guys? Truth and love, right? That's the word. Um, but it, it's an honest snapshot, an inventory of what we're doing because these are some of the tools God gives you for his glory, for the big picture. And I don't think we can look at a new year and a new vision and, and try to discern what the path God has when we, don't even, when we don't even stop to identify the God-given gifts in our life. So that's really important. Again, they're natural gifts and abilities. There are spiritual gifts. Bible's full of them. And the fact is, God gives them out, and if we discern what they are, we're going to be way better off to use them. Uh, it says the talents were given each according to his ability, his or her ability. What's cool about this? Not only was God intentional, God knows what you're able to do and not able to do. God didn't give a single gift that he would think, let's see how they do with this one, because I know they can't handle it. That's not what he did. Each according to his or her ability. When God gave out gifts, when he gave out talents, He knew there was capacity inside of you to fully execute the gifts and talents he gave you. That's the way the kingdom works. The living God who is all-knowing, he is sovereign, he is powerful, he is intentional, and his design is perfect. When he put gifts in you and I, it's according to our ability, he knows what we can handle. So if you're here today and you're really not sure about some of your gifts or talents, or if you're able, know this, God says you're able. God says you're able. If God gave you a gift, if God gave you a talent, God says you're able. Because some folks go, yeah, well, I got this, but you know, I don't know. It's so tough. And, and they discount, they minimize what their gift is. They minimize when God's saying, wait, I gave it to you according to your ability. I'm saying you're able. Take hold of this tool. Recognize it and start walking in it. It's really, really important. So much cool stuff in this passage, guys. I love this passage of scripture. In the parable, we see that there's five talents, two talents, and one talent. The people in the story, they didn't stand in line for those gifts and talents. That was God's part. But the people who received them, they had everything to do with what they did with the gift, how we use it. And in this case, it says they put it to work immediately, at once. They didn't procrastinate. They're like, God, I recognize what you gave me. I'm going for it. I'm stepping out. This is important because some folks sit on a talent for years. They might be sitting on a talent for years and there's nothing worse than a wasted talent. Have you ever seen someone in your life you know, you love, you care, and their talent is like buried? Anybody? It's a bummer. Like, this is not good. That's not God's given design. First of all, they don't come to terms with the gift. They don't come to terms maybe that God is the giver of the gift. And they don't come to terms that God says you're able. What I put in you, I want to come out of you. That's what God would say. If I put it in you, I want it to come out of you. That is the purpose and design of the Most High God. Not like, hey, I gave them out and wherever the chips fell, (laughs) you know? No. Intention, purpose, you're able. Don't procrastinate. What I put in you, let it come out of you. This is a big part of design. But two of them in the story invested, and one of them, Buried. What does it mean to bury? It means no one around you sees it. No one sees it. No one sees your gift, talent, whether it's natural or spiritual. No one sees it at work. They don't see it. It's buried. No one gets the benefit. No one is blessed by your gift or your talent. The design, when you look at scripture and you look at the way God 
very specifically gave out gifts. The Bible says that the gifts are for the mutual edification of the body. In other words, God's like giving out gifts to everyone. And he's saying, this is God saying, if you find your place in the kingdom, everyone around you is going to be blessed. And if they find their place in the kingdom, you're going to be blessed. It's, it's a beautiful, like a synergy, if you will, in the kingdom of God, the way God designed it. If everyone finds their place in the kingdom and they know it's his kingdom for his glory with his borrowed gifts, everyone starts getting blessed. But we tend to do in America, again, I keep coming back to this because I think the church in America has drifted a little bit to a very, uh, have it your way and a very, you know, pass my latte, a little more cream, please. You know, that's kind of the mindset in America. I'm sure someday in America, not at this church, but someday we're going to have those big recliner theater chairs, you know, where you put the feet up and someone comes by and fill up the, it's just, I mean, that, do you see that's kind of the drift? There's a little drift going on, guys. You've got to recognize it. You don't see that in China. You don't see that in the church in India and Africa. You don't see that in, in places where people are, are looking at scripture, quite simply, and they're walking out the word of God according to the spirit. You don't see that. But we've gotten in a way, my gift, when I want, when I feel, I don't know. Rather than going, whatever you gave me, it was intentional. You said I'm able. Here goes God. It's a tool for your glory, and it's time. Put it to work at once. What does it mean to invest? They put it to work. They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just pray about it. Why is this important? Because sometimes in the church, we get a little hyper-spiritual about things. We can talk about the gifts for a long time, and we can even pray about them. And it's good to talk about them and pray about them. We've got to pray about everything, all things through prayer and supplication. But we don't just stop by talking about them and praying about them. These guys put them to work. And that tells me that Christians, believers, need to have a good work ethic. This is important, guys. A good work ethic. When you look at the first century church, people just weren't skating their way like through and you know, everything just paved with roses for them. I mean, people worked out their salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says that not only are we co-heirs with Christ, that we're co-laborers, co-laborers with him. So Jesus wants to do things in the land. He's looking for folks to co-labor with him. And when we co-labor in our gifts and spiritual and natural gifts, we're all finding our place in his kingdom. He starts getting the glory and the world starts changing around us. This is, this is the way it was happening, you know, in the first century church. And the Greek word for this is to toil at a task or occupation, to be engaged in, to be committed to doing, to labor for, or to minister with. In other words, you may have some profound God-given gifts, even natural ones, and maybe even making a living at those, which is great. If you have a gift and talent that you're making a living, that's great. But there's a bigger part of it of ministering with it. See, a lot of folks separate the sacred from the secular. And in the first century church, guys, we don't see a big dividing wall between the sacred and the secular. The Jews would say, don't go into Samaria. That's secular. And Jesus is like, no, everything is sacred. And he walks right through Samaria and he finds this woman at the well and he reads her mail, tells her about her life, her future. She goes back and the whole city comes to faith. There's no dividing wall between the sacred and the secular. Sometimes our gifts and talents are being used for natural things, which thank God you can make a living with your gifts and talents. But don't separate the two because I don't think they're really divisible in the Bible. I don't see that separation. We kind of create that one. Uh, So when you put them to work, yes, they may be at work outside the ministry in the church, but don't 
negate putting to work for the glory of God in the kingdom. Uh, I love these scriptures. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Um, again, this is talents, gifts, and working at it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Second question for you this morning, if you're a note taker, is ask yourself, since you and I are in the parable, we're in the story, ask yourself, am I investing or am I burying? It's between you and God, but we're all in the story. We're all in the story. Am I investing or am I burying? So first, get an inventory of that list. God, what did you put in me? Obviously, you want it to come out of me. And with that, am I investing or am I burying these things? Um, Because God is asking us to invest. God is asking us to be all in. Not sitting on the side, dipping our toe in the water, going, yeah, I don't know. No, all in. God says you're able. God says these things I gave you have to do with your calling, the hope, and the future. And they also have to do with the helping out the folks around you. And the the thing is, when we hesitate to put our gifts and talents to work, folks around us aren't getting blessed. I don't know about you, but I'm a work in progress. God knows that, and I need his grace and mercy every day. But I, I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for others around me, others that have helped me along the way, some who called me out of darkness into light, some who helped grow me, some who currently pray for me and and help fan me in the flame, and I try to do the same in in the lives of others, there's others around us that are imperative to help fan us in the flame as a community of believers. And so he wants us to be all in. That's the way the kingdom works, guys. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. God gave us a trust. He entrusted us with his property. We've got to prove faithful. Luke 12, 48, this one really rocked my world. Before I was a believer, uh, I worked with this guy, and he put this scripture on the bathroom mirror, and I'd come in, like, to wash my hands. I'm like, oh, great, I'm trying to duck around it. I didn't want to read this scripture because I didn't like what it was telling me, and I know it was God trying to wake me up, and I had enough respect for it that I wouldn't take it off there. He put, like, one of these, like, stickers on the mirror, but I'm like, man, what do I do with that? And it was Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, much is required. That's from the heart of God, the king of the kingdom. To whom much is given, much is required. And I didn't want to come to terms with that because I knew that if I did, that I got to change some things in my life. And I didn't want to. So I tried ducking around that thing and you know, washing up, trying to skip that in the mirror, that scripture right there I didn't want to see until God finally woke me up telling me, you can run, son, but you can't hide. My love is going to chase you down, not in a bad way, in a good way, because God's got an outstretched arm that just won't quit, and, and he chased me down, and finally I'm like, what am I doing? And the greatest day of liberation in my life was the day of my surrender, the day of the white flag. And that's something that most of us think through movies or through whatever we've seen, white flag is bad, surrender is bad. Let me tell you, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's good. <laughs> it's real good. In fact, that's when life begins with holding up a white flag. And uh, Oswald Chambers says, have you had that day yet? Have you had the day yet of, he calls it your, your, your funeral? Have you had the day of your funeral where you held up that flag? Because you got to die to live. It's the way it works in his kingdom. It's just the way it works in his kingdom. But when you do, you get life and you get it abundantly. And his word comes alive and he puts a spirit in you. And it, there's a whole new dimension of life you didn't know existed because people are afraid to hold up a white flag like I was dodging those scriptures, trying to not deal with it. 
But when you do, there's so much life on the other side. Um, This moves on in verse 19. And it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had the, with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The first thing we see in the story because remember, you and I are in the story, is that the master settled accounts. And you might be thinking, yeah, I see that they had an account, but do I have an account? We have an account. Just because you don't get a statement in the mail every month doesn't mean you don't have an account. Not in God's economy. You and I have an account. An account will be given. It says in Romans 14, 12, so then each one of us will give an account concerning himself to God. We're gonna stand before God. We're gonna give an account for all these strategic gifts and talents, resources, opportunities, platforms, endowments of his grace, all of them, someday we're going to stand in front of God. And he's going to say, how'd you do? How'd you do with this stuff? You know, if you're married, how'd you do, how'd you do with your family? How'd you do with your kids? How'd you do with the job? How'd you do with, and we're going to, this isn't a heaven or hell issue. That's all by grace. It's a free gift of grace. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a wide open invitation for planet earth. But when it comes to this, rewards. It's all stewardship. How'd you do with the stuff I gave you? And sometimes we forget we have an account. Being reminded that I have an account gets me a little more motivated to kind of put some of God's stuff to work because we have this account going on. The first two servants, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that's important. Even though they had different amounts of stuff and they returned a different amount of investment, they still got the same reward, it says right here, the same reward. So the reward's not based on necessarily all your achievements. This is important. Your reward's not based on all your achievements, guys. It's based on your faithfulness. And why this is so important, if you think it's based on all your achievements, we get into this works mentality, striving in the flesh, in the natural, and that's not the kingdom of God. But when we start thinking it's all based on achievements, we can pretty much start looking around at other people and going, hey, why is this going on over here and not in my life? God's not looking at that that way. Uh, It's all about your faithfulness. What he told these guys, faithful servant, awesome, come on in. Next, faithful servant, come on in. It's based on faithfulness. And what's so important about God rewarding faithfulness is we can forget that. We can start comparing to other people or other things and you and I can start messing up the way we view success. I would warn some of you this morning, be very careful how you measure success. Be very careful how you measure success. If you're going into this new year and you're aiming success at some other weird thing that God didn't give you, be careful of that. The devil would love us to aim at success his own way. He'd love to, he'd love to paint his own picture of success. In fact, he does it quite well. Just turn on the TV You know, you can have this, you deserve this, boom, 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 goes down the whole list. And now we're looking at this as success. And we think, wow, this is what it's about. No, that's his kingdom. It's not God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, there's a different measure of success. Success is based on faithfulness to the God-given endowments the living God has put in your life and mine. 
faithfulness with those things. He's saying, that's successful. That's what he's doing in the story, the father. Come and share. Listen to this. I love this. And if you can get a visual, please do. Come and share in your master's happiness. Something we don't think of. When I was a kid and thought of God, I thought God's got a big old hammer. And any day now, any day now, clock's ticking. I'm running out of time because I was messing up. I was a little kid in New York City. I wasn't living right, you know. Like any day now, that's what I thought. I didn't know anything about sharing in the master's happiness. Huh? Sharing in the master's... Get a visual on that. The visual is this. God is so pleased. He is so pleased that when you and I function in the gifts and talents and callings for his glory in faith, faithfulness, it gives him a big old smile that God's looking at you and me. He's smiling. Do you ever think of God smiling at you? Honestly, not usually, right? How many don't think of God smiling at them? Come on, can we have a little honesty this morning? It's a new year. Amen. We don't always think of God smiling at us. We don't. This is saying, come and share in your master's happiness. There are things we do for the glory of God that makes him smile. And I don't know about you, but I want to get in on more of that. I want to live a life that makes God smile. I want to live my life for an audience of one that brings joy to the Father. And usually, if you're doing what God designed you to do, it brings joy to you too. But he's saying, would you share with me? I am happy. Would you share in the happiness? That's a dimension of God and his kingdom that most people ignore completely. Sharing, sharing in the happiness. Think about that. What does that look like? Uh, In the story, uh, the movie, Chariots of Fire, there was a runner, Eric Little. And he said, regarding this, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I'm running for his glory, I feel God smiling and saying, that's good. And that's what Eric Little did. God made him fast. In the Olympics, back in what, the 20s or 30s, he ends up winning Olympic gold medal, running for the glory of God. But he did it for the glory of God. And everyone knew what he did was for the glory of God. And while he's running it for the glory of God, God is looking down and smiling and everyone gets to see it. Eric Little got to share in the master's happiness. Share in his happiness. Um, I'm going to summarize this next section. And we're going to have our prayer team come up. And this is one I want to ask you guys. Do you know your place in the kingdom? I mean, it's a big kingdom, and maybe we're figuring that out. That's okay. It's great. We're, we don't have it down. No one's got it down. But he says, I know the plans I have for you, that not to harm you, but to prosper you, given a hope and a future. The Bible says we are God's workmanship. The Greek word is poema. It's a poem. It's a masterpiece. God's writing like a symphony, and we all have a place in it. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he established from the foundations of the world. God's got stuff for us to walk out. It has a lot to do with his vision that he has for our life. It has a lot to do with our hope, our future. It will bless us. It will bless others. And this is a big part of the kingdom of God. Do you know what that is? Our prayer team's going to come up and just, if you want prayer for that, a little clarity, a little insight, um, if you're still finding your place in the kingdom, or maybe you have any other prayer needs, I want to say God has been doing some cool stuff through prayer around here. God's been answering prayer. God's been doing amazing things. 
And so even coming forward for prayer is a step of faith. Yes, you can pray at home, you can pray with your friend, you can pray with anybody, but right now, when we talk about this stuff, if you're like me, there's kind of a little, maybe disruption, in a good way, where, where, where things kind of get kicked up and they're going to settle down according to you know, the way maybe God would say in his word. But my encouragement would be to come forward, ask God, seek him this morning. Um, the passage concludes uh, that the man who received one talent... And he shows up, and God's like, what did you do? Where, where's your talent, you know? And, and he says, well, I, I was afraid, so I, I buried it. God's like, you were afraid? You were afraid? So why were you afraid? And this guy goes on, well, that's because I know you're, you're this kind of master that you reap where you didn't sow, and you, you, know, you do all these things. And the master's sitting there going, seriously? You thought that was me? Who told you that? It's not what my word says. It's not what my people say. Why did you think that? This guy had a completely skewed view of who the master was. Much like many people today who are not in God's kingdom, they got the wrong view of God. They don't even know the master. If you know the master, you love the master. He's the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. How can you not love him when you understand his love? But there's many, like this guy in the story, who have the wrong assumption of who he is. And he comes up with all this fabricated, well, I just kind of thought you were, you know, I don't know, maybe you were this, or maybe you'd be mean, or maybe you, and, and the father's like, you know what, <laughs> you never knew me, and I never knew you, apparently, you know, and, and he tells this guy with your gifts, you know, <laughs> no reward for you, and it moves on. Now, again, this isn't a heaven or hell kind of thing, but he's like, put this guy out of here. He said, take the gift he has and give it to someone who's going to be faithful, because God owns all of it anyway, and he's looking for faithfulness. So this guy, just like today, had the wrong attitude. He knew nothing about the master. He buried his talent. Instead of investing in faith, he buried in fear. You know, and, and I got to say, burying talents is motivated by fear. Investing talents is motivated by faith. So if you have talents and you're not investing them today, this week, this year, this season of your life, Really pray about it. It's probably got some fear underneath. Well, what if I fail? Or what if it, what if, I mean, there's 50 million what ifs. And the devil would love for you to keep going over that what if list. Just keep going over that what if list. But in the kingdom of God, you look at the stuff, you start praying. We're going to talk about more direction next week. You start walking it out in faith. It's not the what if stuff. And so uh, in closing, this story, guys, this could be the parable of potential. And that's what my prayer is today, is today that this is the parable of potential, that this begins to unlock something for us today, where we're like, wow, I want to take an inventory. God, show me the gifts, talents, show me the things you put in me. They're yours, they're borrowed, they're entrusted, they're your property. Show me how I can start using these for your glory. I don't want to bury them in fear. I want to use these things in faith. Ask God to show you. Ask God where to invest. Ask God how you can partner in the master's happiness. In fact, that's the the third point this morning, if you are a note taker, is to ask yourself that question. What makes God smile in your life? What things do you do that bring joy to him, that make him smile? Think about what that is. Out of all the different gifts, talents, and things that you've done in your life, what things, looking back, could you say, you know what? For some reason, I really think that makes God smile. Then you're on to something. And when it comes to sharing in the master's happiness. So we're going to close in prayer. We are coming before God, believing and trusting that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mighty God, I thank you for your word. It's so powerful. This has been a presentation 
of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.